Today we come and celebrate the Lord's Supper with our homebound members. We have a number of members who are no longer able to attend church with us. They still pray for the church and love the church, and they're very important to the church. And so on this service, we have the opportunity to participate in the Lord's Supper as they worship with us by television, and some of our deacons are in their homes. It is also an opportunity for us to ask some questions for perhaps a better understanding of the Lord's Supper. What is it all about? We take the Lord's Supper, but why did the Lord institute it? What does it really mean? Well, the most thorough discussion of the Lord's Supper is found in 1 Corinthians chapters 10 and 11. And in chapter 10, Paul expresses his concern that the Lord's Supper become an object of idolatry. He wrote in the seventh verse of that chapter, And do not be idolaters, as some of them were. He expresses that concern again in that chapter, in verse number 14, verse number 19, verse number 28. You see, there has always been the tendency... There has always been the temptation with Christians that we take a Christian symbol and we deify it. That we take a Christian symbol and we worship it. For instance, that's exactly what happened with the brazen serpent that was made by Moses. You recall the story when the uh, Hebrews were in the wilderness, they were being bitten by serpents. And the Lord instructed Moses to make a brazen serpent, hold it up on a staff, and all those who looked at the serpent then would be saved. Well, as time went on, they began to worship the brazen serpent. And that's the reason that it was destroyed. That's also the reason the Lord said that we are not to make any graven images. There is always the temptation that we take a religious symbol and we deify or worship that symbol. Now... There are two concerns that we must avoid. First of all, that we overestimate the power of a symbol. Now, the Lord has given two ordinances to the church. There is the Lord's Supper, and there is baptism. And in both of those, we sometimes have the tendency to overestimate their power. For instance, concerning baptism. Sometimes there are those, or oftentimes there are those, who actually believe that salvation comes as a result of being baptized. I, I talk to people oftentimes, and as I do, I ask them the question, are you a Christian? And it's not unusual for someone to say to me, well, I was baptized. Now, baptism is important, but it is not salvation. So we overestimate, then, the symbol of baptism. We can also overestimate the Lord's Supper. There are those people who believe that if I participate in the Lord's Supper, then as a result of that, I am more right with God. That somehow, by participating in the Supper, it makes me to be right with God. So we overestimate the power of the symbol, but also... We must avoid underestimating the power of the symbol. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10:21, "You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table 
of demons. So what I believe that he is saying there is that if I know the Lord and I'm satisfied in that relationship with him, and I correctly participate in the Lord's Supper, the things of God, then I am not going to participate at the table of the world, the table of demons. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he expresses these concerns that the Lord's Supper not become an object of worship. In chapter number 11, he gives us instruction as to how we are to participate in the Supper. Now, it is a time to look back. We look back as we participate to the traditions of the church. Paul wrote in chapter 11, verse 2, Now I praise you because you remember me and everything, and hold firmly to the traditions just as I deliver them to you. So as we come to the table of the Lord, it's a time to look back, remember the traditions. But then we look up, mindful of the fact that Jesus takes precedence over any and all traditions. So Paul continues, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of woman, and God is the head of Christ. So we look back to tradition, we look up to Jesus, he takes precedence over tradition, and then we look in to ask the question, am I prepared to participate in the Lord's Supper. Now, take your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse number 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I think I'm going to stop there and we'll look at the others in a little bit. As we look at the Lord's Supper, Jesus tells us, first of all, that it is a picture of submission. Now look at verse 25. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, Jesus referred to the cup as the new covenant. He referred to the supper as the new covenant. It is a new covenant. The word covenant literally means to cover. It is used in terms of providing shelter, protection, or financial support. In other words, if you have a bill and I say that I will cover your bill, perhaps you've gone to a restaurant, I say I'll cover the bill. That means that I pay the bill. So that's what the, the word means. A covenant then is a binding commitment. And God has made numerous covenants with his people. The first covenant he made was with uh, Adam after Adam and Eve sinned. The Lord made a covenant with them after their sin, saying that he was going to send a Messiah. So they had sinned, and in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15, the Lord promised then that he would send a Messiah for their sin. That was a covenant. He made a covenant with Noah. He um, made a promise to Noah that never again would he destroy the earth with a flood. So every time you see a rainbow in the sky, that is a symbol of that covenant that God made. When you see a rainbow, that is a reminder that God has promised that he would not again destroy the earth with a flood. God made a covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. 
There he promised that Abraham was going to be a great nation, that he would make of him a great nation. So that was a covenant that he made. And God made a covenant with us. And that is what the Lord's Supper is. It is his covenant, symbolizes his covenant, promising us salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the covenant that God has made. That those who come to Jesus will be saved through his shed blood. Now, God's covenants were confirmed with sacrifice. For instance, when he made a covenant with Adam, a lamb was sacrificed. When God made a covenant with Israel, lambs were sacrificed. Now, here's the problem, or the, um, the inefficiency or the ineffectiveness of that, of the blood of the lamb, is that it is temporary. So a lamb would be slain, the blood would be shed, but it would have to be uh, slain again and again. Many lambs were slain. God's covenant with us is in Jesus. And Jesus shed his blood, and his blood is sufficient for all eternity. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, But he, speaking of Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. So when Jesus died then, he shed his blood. His blood is sufficient for all time. So we see in the covenant with Adam that a lamb was slain for his forgiveness. God made a covenant with Noah and an ark was provided for his protection. God made a covenant with sinners and the Savior was provided. Now, in biblical times, when a covenant was made... It was sealed by the covenant maker having a meal with the one who accepted the covenant. So there was a meal. That is what we are doing. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, it is saying that I accept the terms of God's covenant. I accept his terms that salvation is in his son, Jesus Christ. So it's a picture of submission. It is also an act of commemoration. You are aware that the roots of the Lord's Supper are found in the Jewish Passover. And uh, at the Passover, or you recall how it came about, that the Jews were in Egyptian bondage, and while they were there, they began to pray, asking the Lord for deliverance. God heard their prayers. He raised up Moses. Moses delivered them. He delivered them out of bondage. And uh, so the Passover then was a celebration of that deliverance. There were two parts of it. First of all, there is the eating. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 3, you shall, not eat un, you shall not eat leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat with it unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, in order that you may remember all the days of your life today when you came out of the land of Egypt. So in the Passover then, the first part is the eating. The second part is the telling. The scripture says in Exodus 13:8, And you shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. So in the Passover, there are two parts. 
There is the eating of the meal, and there is the telling of the story. They had the responsibility to tell the story of God's deliverance, God's provision from their slavery. Well, you see how that parallels the Lord's Supper. We also were in bondage. We also were enslaved. The Bible tells us in John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Isn't it interesting that we think that when we sin, it's because we have freedom? That I am free, therefore I choose to sin? And yet the Bible says as we sin that we are enslaved. So we are slaves to sin. Now then God sent Jesus to deliver us from our sin. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So then the Lord's Supper is the celebration of our freedom. That Jesus Christ has freed us. That by his sacrifice, we are freed from being slaves to sin. So it is a celebration. The Lord's Supper is an act of commemoration. It is a responsibility of proclamation. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What is the message that we preach? It is his death. That is the message that we preach. The Lord's death, that he died on the cross, that he shed his blood, that he paid for our sins, and that he rose from the grave. That is the message. How long do we preach it? How long do we proclaim that message? He said, until he comes. The supper then is anticipating the return of the Lord. Did you know there are over 300 references in the New Testament to the return of Jesus? Over 300 references to his return. And the Bible says that he is going to return as King of kings and Lord of lords. The Bible says one day Jesus is going to return in victory. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And the Bible says that that is the hope of the saints. Are you living your life in anticipation of the return of Christ? Because that's our blessed hope. That is the hope we have that Jesus Christ is coming again. And then there's a call for preparation. Then there must be examination, verse number 28. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, before we participate in, in the Lord's Supper, the Bible says, let a man examine himself. Now, folks, you are to examine yourself, not the one sitting next to you. We like to examine other people. No, he said, examine himself. Examine your attitude. Verse number 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So we examine our attitude. He is not saying that we are to be perfect to participate in the supper, but our attitude is to be correct. Examine your attitude. Examine your relationship. Am I right with God? Am I right with my fellow man? So it is a time of examination. Now, here's a warning in verse 29. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this re reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. Here's what he literally says. That because some did not participate in the Lord's Supper correctly or with the right attitude, some were sick and some died. 
See, that's the reason with the Lord's Supper, I have never felt comfortable to make it a great promotional thing, because I think it's a very serious thing. As we come to the table of the Lord, it is a spiritual time, and our hearts are to be examined. Am I right with God? Am I right with my fellow man? Because there are consequences not being right. Now, here's his promise, though, but I don't want you to be intimidated by that. Here's his promise in verse number 31. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. So he says then if we judge ourselves, then we're not judged by him. If you're willing to judge yourself, then God doesn't have to judge you. Verse number 32. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. So he says then that we may be disciplined, but we are not condemned. So the Lord's Supper then is a wonderful celebration, but it is a serious ordinance. What is it? Submission. Our participation says that we submit ourselves to this new covenant of salvation through Jesus Christ. That Jesus provided salvation for us. And as we come to the table, then we are saying that we accept the terms of the covenant. It is a commemoration, a reminder of his provision for our deliverance. That Jesus died on the cross, taking my sins upon himself, that I might be forgiven. It carries proclamation. We are to tell everyone of his death and return. And in preparation, are you prepared to celebrate the Lord's Supper? That's what I want, is for you to be ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And that's what our invitation is. If you're here without Christ, that you would receive him. If there's something God has put on your heart to join the church or something that he's been dealing with you about, then you get those things right with God. Our gracious Father, we come to this time to participate in the celebration of the supper, and I pray, Lord, that you will guide us. I pray, Father, that we will be obedient to you. Bless this time. May we respond in obedience, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with me. As we stand together, the choir's going to sing. This is a hymn of invitation. Do what God has put on your heart. If you've never trusted Christ, you've come today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. But you come, I'll greet you as you do.